So we are going to be carrying on this morning uh, looking at uh, part three in the series which we started two weeks ago. And I've entitled this series, The Last Sermon dot, dot, of Moses. Okay, uh, And we are looking at Deuteronomy. Remember we've looked at this. The Deuteronomy is a story. It's a book of the Bible. And it literally means the second law. Where Moses is retelling to a new generation, to the Joshua generation, what God did in the previous three chapters of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. So he's giving a summary, and it's literally in the last year, it's three sermons that he gives to these, this, this Joshua generation, this new group of people who are about to enter into the promised land. And we started off in chapter 1. We did two, two, two messages looking at chapter 1, and this morning... I was going to jump. There was so, there's such good stuff in, in chapter 6 and chapter 8, and I was going to go there. And then I thought, let me just check that I'm not missing out on good stuff in, the, in chapter 2, 3, 4. Anyway, guys, I got stuck in chapter 2 and 3. So we're doing chapter 2 and 3. We will get to chapter 6 and chapter 8. There's such good stuff there. But I just felt, let's just look at this. And I feel it's so significant because we are in today's Father's Day. This is Youth Month. We had Youth Day on Thursday. And it's so unique in our nation that we celebrate Father's Day and Youth Day so close together. The Bible says in Malachi, uh, the last book of the Old Testament, says the, 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 God will turn the heart of the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. God wants to heal generational gaps, generational rifts. And so I think it's so significant that we're looking in this month at the book of Deuteronomy, which is a father, Moses, speaking to a younger generation, a Joshua generation. And he is encouraging them and teaching them and training them how to enter the promised land. So I just think it's so good. So what we did last week, I put up a list of things that I wrote down what it looks like to go from Egypt, the land of slavery, to your promised land. And I wrote down these things and I, I didn't really unpack it. There are quite a few um, Quite a few points, but folks, this is, and I want to read it again, and I want you to note which of these are you saying, I'm on that journey. That is my journey from my Egypt to my promised land. That's one, and you, could t- you, you can take two or three. You can actually take all of them if you want, okay? But I don't want you to be overwhelmed. Just listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. This is a journey you're going on with the Holy Spirit. He's taking you as He led those people. Remember the pillar of uh, fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. He's leading you on a journey to a promised land. And just follow Him. And, and maybe as I read this list, He will highlight the journey He's got for you. So let's just read... Um, I'm just going to fly and uh, as we go. He's taking us from living as a slave to living as a free person. From sickness and pain to health and life. From depression and stress to joy and peace. From fear and anxiety to faith and calmness. From a poverty mentality to knowing His faithful provision. From conflict and broken relationships to healthy, trusting, long-lasting relationships. From being far from God to walking in close, intimate relationship with Him. From being fearful of giants to being confident in God of victory over giants. 
From feeling rejected and ashamed to being loved and accepted. From having no purpose or passion in your life to being inspired by a sense of calling, purpose and passion. This is the, 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 new, the promised land that God has for us. From being critical and negative to being hopeful and inspiring to others. From being lonely and disconnected to belonging and being celebrated. From not knowing who you are to having a strong sense of identity in Christ. From being tormented and oppressed to being delivered and at peace. From being judged and accused to being forgiven and released. From running and hiding from God to seeking and pursuing Him. From sleeplessness and exhaustion to being rested and refreshed. Any of you tick any of these? From weak and lethargic to being strong and full of vitality. From prideful and arrogant to being humble and eager to serve. From being selfish and self-centered to wanting to see others excel in living for the glory of God. From fearing eternity to knowing that heaven is your home. From being scared to pray for people to seeing miracles happen when you lay your hands on sick people. From being disconnected and grumpy to learning to be content in all circumstances. From giving up easily to persevering through hardship. And we could go on. You could probably add a few more. But I want to get you a picture. You know, sometimes we can read the story of these guys traveling, you know, from Egypt through a wilderness, a, a, a very tough desert to the promised land. And, and we can disconnect in terms of from our own life, our own journey. We're all on a journey. And I wanted to highlight some of the aspects of what the journey that you could be on. So this week... As I said, we're going to jump into Deuteronomy chapter 2. And so meet me, and it's going to be on the slides. You can look in your own Bible if you want to check. I'm actually, I think most of these scriptures are from the NIV. Um, but let's look. So in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verse 4 to 6, um, Moses is writing and he says, Give the people these orders. You're about to pass through the territory of your brothers, the descendants of Esau. Remember Jacob and Esau, the two brothers, who live in Seir. They will be afraid of you, but be very careful. Now, what is this carefulness that God is instructing Moses to tell this Joshua generation? What must they be careful of? Do not provoke them to war. Can you see this? It's not be careful of them. Be careful of yourselves. There's a very different carefulness here. For I will not give you any of their land. Not even enough to put your foot on. How big is your foot? Okay. Is your footprint that big? God says I'm not even going to give you that much of their land. I have given Esau the hill country of Seir as his own. This land they're passing through now. It's, it's the descendants of Esau's land. Verse 6, you are to pay them in silver for the food you eat while they're passing through the land, the food you eat and the water you drink. 
Not even one drop of water were they to take from the descendants of Esau. The Lord says that they must be careful. So this is quite amazing. The Lord says they must be careful. But it's not being careful from, from you know, baddies. It's being careful that you don't offend your brother. And the Bible very clearly says in a number of places, don't offend your brother. Okay? And I, well, last year, I think it was last year, we did a series on boundaries. What the Lord's speaking about here is boundaries. Now remember, the father doesn't want conflict between brothers. I'm a father. Okay? I'm telling you, you want to get the wrong side of me, and they can, my kids know, when there's bicker, 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 fight, 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 I'm like, hey, we've got to sort this out. This, I don't like this in my home. A father wants to sort out conflict between children, okay? And, but, but this is, I was actually surprised by this, because I was reading through, and then if you read further, I didn't put uh, further in chapter 2, he actually mentions the descendants of Lot as well. He says, don't touch their land, don't mess with them, don't fight with them, be careful of them, same thing. I didn't put those verses up because it's the same principle. And it's the principle of boundaries, folks. If we are to live happily in a family, we've got to respect boundaries. I mean, I've got, as you know, a number of gorgeous daughters, okay? And uh, one of them is married, two of them are not, okay? But that doesn't mean that you should have any other intentions, okay? I was just mentioning that, okay? Um, young men, or I was just pointing that out as a fact of reality. That should not alter your motive for your life, okay? But this is the, this is the deal. My daughters enjoy each other's clothes, okay? And they seem to notice if the other daughter has a nice top or a nice skirt or a nice... And they will often think when they are getting dressed that maybe the skirt or the top or the pants from the sister will go lice with us. And so it may be a temptation to waltz into the sister's room and just help yourself to the top or the skirt or the pants or the shoes of the sister. Now... That's fine if the sister knows about it. If you ask your sister, can I borrow your sandals, your scarf, your top? It's fine. But how many of you know that people talk about the Third World War breaking out? When you take your sister's top or shoes without telling her, Third World War is about to break out, okay? Boundaries. It's boundaries. God doesn't want them to fight with the descendants of Esau, the descendants of Lot. He's like very clear. He doesn't want a third world war breaking out there. Just ask your sister if you can borrow her top, okay? That's how it works. But yet, folks, I can talk boundaries here, and you think of that example, you think that's easy. It's not always easy in life to see boundaries, okay? I mean, uh, uh, I'm going to mention two examples to you that, that were, were quite tricky for us to navigate. We, had, we knew somebody, and this was many years ago, we knew somebody who was very friendly to us. Now, we had known her from previously. We've, we've stayed in P and Cape Town. I'm not going to say where we knew this person from. We, we knew her from there, and she, we had a need, and she was willing to come and help us. And she was so friendly and so nice, and we were really blown by how nice and friendly she was. And then, um, and then uh, after a few weeks, she said, can I come and see you? And this was a bit different. She's not coming to help us with our needs. She's, she's coming to see us. And she came and she basically did this big presentation 
for a network marketing company that we didn't know she was very committed to and involved in. And I don't have a problem with network marketing companies. There's some great companies. There's some really dodgy companies. Whoever you work with, just make sure they're good, okay? But this was the deal. I suddenly came crashing down on me that she had been helping us these last few weeks, not because she wanted to help us, but because she was looking for opportunity to present her business idea for us to join her network marketing company. And the reason she was targeting us is because we pastors and we have lots of people that we can also sell these products to. So if she can get us into a network, you know, wow, and we can sell all this stuff to you guys. Man, you know, we're going to be zillionaires like, you know, whoever, Elon Musk by next Thursday. It's amazing. Let's do it. Where do I sign? No, no, no. Jen and I had such a strong conviction that we would be crossing boundaries here. In this verse, the Lord is very clearly establishing boundaries between brothers. And, and it was, we had such a strong conviction that we would be violating boundaries. Now listen, it may be different to you. You're not a pastor leading people. Okay? She wanted us, because we senior pastors, to become and join her network so that we could sell to our church. And I was like, we can't do that. I would be violating a very sacred relationship between a pastor and a, a member of my church if I am now just looking at you thinking how I can sell you whatever products this network is selling. And I said, I, I tried to explain, I said, I can't do that. I have a very sacred relationship. I am their pastor. I can't now violate their relationship by just trying to sell them stuff and every time, I'm, you have you seen there's a special on this and hey, the deal of the day is this and I can't do that. I cannot relate. Be violating a very important relationship, a very special relationship. She couldn't see it. She didn't. She got all upset with her. And I don't know if, well, we have spoken since. But, you know, it hasn't been all nice and friendly, like, okay? But it was, it was for us, for Jen and I, it was like we're violating boundaries. We have this kind of relationship with people. If we are now going to have a business relationship, that's different. And it is possible, but you need such wisdom if you're going to do that. You need wisdom. I'm not saying it can't be done. You just need wisdom. I want to mention another example. And unfortunately, very often these things do involve, involve finances. We had somebody, and this wasn't, it was quite a few years ago, and we only found out afterwards that this person was going around to people in our church and asking them if he could borrow money from them. Now listen, it happens all day in South Africa. People ask to borrow money and people lend money, etc. It happens all over. But there are ways to go about this that doesn't smash relationships, doesn't smash church life, etc. And, and I want to ask you, you need wisdom... You need such wisdom, firstly, to be able to, if you're asking, but secondly, how you respond in that situation. You know, the sad thing is, we found out afterwards that there were people who didn't want to come to church because this guy was there waiting and they knew that this guy was going to badger them if they could borrow, he could borrow, what a, what a, what a. And I was like, that is smashing things right now. Now, unfortunately, I only found out about this afterwards. And I'm just saying, we need wisdom with boundaries. You, my personal conviction is, you know, if somebody asked me, can I borrow 300 Rand pasta? Not pasta. Jacques, in my personal capacity, don't come to me as pastor and say I want to borrow, okay? I'm not a bank, okay? Church is not a bank either, okay? In your personal capacity, we have a relationship and you come and you want to borrow 300 rand from me. You know, my conviction would be, this is my decision, I'm not saying you must do this. I would rather give you 100 rand and say, listen, I don't have 300 rand, 
to lend you. But as a matter of principle, I don't like lending money. Why? The Bible says that the borrower is a slave to the lender. And I'm saying, if I now lend you 300 rand, and then you don't pay, and you say you'll pay it back by Wednesday, but next Sunday you don't come to church because you haven't paid the money back. And you know, if you, when, when you look at me and I look at you, you know that you owe me, and there's going to be this vibe between us. Okay? And so then by next, by, and you don't come for a month to church, and there's still this vibe because you haven't paid me back. And every time I think of whoever this dude is, I'm thinking now resentfully because he hasn't paid me back the money. And you've smashed the relationship. I would rather, my convictions, I would rather give you a hundred rand and say, yeah, take it, no strings attached. You are not a slave to me. I'm not lending this to you. I'm giving you a hundred rand. If, it, if I have the conviction and I have the money and I would rather do that. Folks, I'm tired of this borrower-lender thing smashing godly relationships. And I'm saying, can we have some wisdom with boundaries here? Can we have, it's okay to say no and okay say, listen, I don't have 300, I have 50 bucks for you. Yeah, God bless you. Can I pray and trust you with you for the extra whatever, 250 rand that you need? Can we just have some, I'm tired of healthy godly relationships being smashed up by boundaries that are not respected and especially in the area of finances. Jen and I have more times than you would like to know have to get involved in sorting out relationships around money and boundary things. God wants you to be very careful with these kind of things. Can we just be very careful? I'm not saying don't do anything things I have said. Just can we be very careful? And don't be a wolf in sheep's clothing who come into the local church, especially this church, and you come in for one reason, to sell, find out who you can do network marketing with, or who you can borrow money from, or even worse, steal money from. Okay, you, the, Bible, the biblical definition of such a person is a wolf in sheep's clothing. And if you want to see me a shepherd with a staff and a rod, and you want to see me use a staff and a rod, you come in with that kind of attitude. Okay, we will deal with people who come in here with ulterior motives. Okay. We are devoted to serving God. We're committed to healthy, long-term relationships. And we're not going to mess them up with begging and borrowing and stealing money and possessions. We respect one another's property and boundaries. I don't take my brother's shirt. I ask him if I can borrow it. And it's respectful. And if he says no, that's fine. The relationship's not smashed up. Amen? Can we just do healthy relationships? Can we be careful when it comes to finances and things like that? Amen? I, I, it's so sad when relationships have been built over many years and get smashed up because they, not, they haven't paid back the money that they said they'd lend. Okay, can we have wisdom and build healthy long-term relationships? Amen? And remember, banks are there to lend money to you. Amen? Please consider that option. Okay, let's go on. The next thing he said that jumped out to me was literally in verse 7. And Jenny alluded to this. Moses says, the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over your journey through this vast desert, these 40 years. The Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. Now he's talking to them, remember, they've just come through 40 years in the wilderness, folks. And Moses says, you have not lacked anything. One of the important aspects, and, and Orne just highlighted, a father, in God's eyes, is a channel of God's provision to his family. 
And folks, understanding and knowing your Father in heaven, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, God is your Father. He's your provider. I want to unpack for you the level of provision that the Lord did. So if we go just on the, if you just, the next verse that I've got for you, Deuteronomy 8 verse 4, this is what Moses says to them. Your clothes did not wear out and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. I want you to go look in, I haven't got the scripture, but I'll just mention it. I think it's uh, 32, Deuteronomy 32. He's, he mentions that their shoes did not wear out. Folks, now just to the context, the distance that they traveled, if they hadn't wandered, remember they wandered, if they had gone from Egypt down to Mount Horeb, got the law, they spent about a year there at Mount Horeb where they got the Ten Commandments, and then back, it's, it's just over 800 kilometers journey. That is equivalent to walking from Durban to Pretoria. Walking, folks. Walking. With the same pair of shoes for 40 years, and your shoes don't wear out. Hi, Bob. You know, I, are, you, are you the kind of person that every day after walking a couple of years, you just check your shoes out? And that would just remind you that God is with you. Amen? And next week, you just check. I've just walked another, you know, like 30 Ks this week or whatever it is, 60 Ks. Your Lord, you with me. Hey, wow, look at these shoes. And remember, it says the clothes didn't wear out. How many of you are here and you've often had to fix clothes? You know when the button comes off? Can you imagine? The buttons didn't come off their clothes. Their clothes didn't wear out. You know when, I mean, you know these ripped jeans? Nobody had ripped jeans. The jeans didn't rip. You won't believe it. Some of you, I'm like, you haven't been in God's uh, wilderness walking with God. Why are your jeans so ripped? Hey? Did you come out of God's will that you're... <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. I know it's a fashion statement to have ripped jeans. Okay. When I was a kid, we had ripped jeans as well. The kids today think it's fashionable to have ripped jeans. I say, well, we invented it years ago. Okay. This is phenomenal. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out, folks. You know, I want you to just think about they're in the wilderness. They're in a desert and it's a hostile land and etc. But God's miraculous, supernatural provision was with them every single day. And they had food, folks. God provided. I was actually just looking. I heard of this stat that they did in 2011. They did research in the U.S. to determine the amount of food the average person in America eats in a year. The weight, the weight of food that the average person in America eats. They worked it out to be 905 kilograms of food every year. 905 kilograms, okay? Now, we South Africans probably a bit less, you know. We probably like 899 kilograms, you know. We, we're a bit, we're, we, we watch our figures, you know. Okay, but folks, it's nearly a ton. A thousand kgs is a ton. You and I, okay, some of us do eat probably more than a ton of food every year, okay? And some of us are quite proud of that achievement, okay? A ton of food, okay? One, t- one person, one ton of food, okay? 40 years, that's 40 tons of food, okay? The Bible says there were 600,000 fighting men over the, age of, over the age of 20. That's how many Israelites there were. So how many children and women and non-fighting aged men were there, they reckon two to three million people times 40 tons of food per person. How many of you know that's a lot of manna and that's a lot of quail that the Lord would provide for them? That is a lot of food. Just go to the next slide, the next scripture. It says, 
The Israelites ate manna for 40 years until they came to the land that uh, was settled. They ate manna until they reached the border of, Ca- border of Ca- Canaan. Manna was the supernatural fl- bread flakes that basically appeared on the ground every morning. Folks, that's phenomenal provision. In the middle of a wilderness. I want to ask you, looking back, in the last two and a half years, it was March in 2020 that we started with pandemic, lockdown, etc., Folks, we can safely say that each one of us have eaten more than a ton of food in the last two and a half years at least. That's a lot of provision. That's a lot of provision during incredible tough times. Amen? Folks, I want us to know the Father's provision. It's the one of the aspects I'm going to ask when we finish, when I finish sharing this word, that we pray for you to know the Father's provision. And I want the encounter team just be, to be ready to just minister and pray that you would know our Father as an amazing provider. Next scripture I want to go to is Deuteronomy 3. And Moses says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely, so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen, or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. He's saying, guys, can you tell the kids that you walked over 800 kilometers? They reckon because of the wandering, they would have walked like close to four, 5,000 kilometers because they zigzagged through the desert. If, you, if they went straight, it would have been 800 kilometers. Like, can you imagine walking three, 4,000 kilometers and your shoes don't wear out? Sandals don't wear out in the desert. What a phenomenal testimony. Are you at night telling your kids, guys, we went through such a tough time, but God provided. We were two million people in that desert, and God provided every single day for two million people. I went through a pandemic, my first pandemic. How many pandemics have you been through? And God provided food for us every day. More than a ton of food did we as an Oberholzer family. Well, we're four in the family at the moment. I mean, we're five usually. That's five tons of food, folks. That's a lot of food in a year. Are we sharing those stories? Verse 10, remember the day you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb. Remember, that's where the Ten Commandments were given. When he said to me, assemble the people before me to hear my words so that they may learn to revere me as long as they live in the land and may teach them to their children. Keep his decrees and commands, verse 40 of the same chapter, which I'm giving you today so that it may go well with you and your children after you and that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God gives you for all time. I want you to just struck. I've underlined there every time the Lord's referring to the children. And Moses is telling a second generation, Joshua generation, he's talking to them, but he's telling them, guys, remember your children. It's not about you. You're going to enter the promise. Remember your children. It's about the children. Tell the children. Talk to your children. Tell them your stories. Okay. Um, can we just click the, the, the slide? Sorry, I, I want to go to the next one. Somebody posted this on social media, and I, I posted in one of our groups, and I was like, sure, this is... When church becomes optional to you, it'll become a necessary to your children. 
You know, folks, we as a family, we come to church not because we're pastors. We go to church when we're on holiday, when we can, if there's a church close by. You know, we're camping in the Drakensberg and, you know, it's <laughs> an hour's drive to the closest. We may not. But we go to church as the Obies. It's something we do. This is something, you know, they're healthy routines. The healthy routines in every day. It's good to have three meals and three meal times a day. It's, these things are good. Exercise routines, all of these things are good. Having spiritual routines like Sunday we go to church is so good for you and your children. We go to church and we've always said, you know, our kids have sometimes said, yeah, but we just like, this is how we roll as the Obies, okay? Jen and I, this is how, what, what we do. We go to church on Sundays. This is how we roll. As long as you're a child in our family, this is what happens. We go to church, amen? I want to highlight now, what does it mean... Um, Deuteronomy 6, this verse, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Folks, impress them on your children. What does that mean? It means, what's to impress something? If you have some clay, you know, and whatever, you push your finger in. It means make a mark. Make a mark. Let this be a mark. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Folks, it's Father's Day. We've just had Youth Month. Folks, this is a major responsibility of fathers. You know what's so interesting? They actually did research on church attendance of, ch church attendance of children. And they found, I can't remember the stats though, that if the mother went to church and was a regular church goer, Looking at the children and a single, a, a single home, if the mother went to church, and not necessarily a single home, sometimes the, they married, but the father didn't go to church, it was something like a 20 to 30% of the cases that the children, when they were adult, that the children would actually go to church as adults. If the father gave to church, whether the father was in the home or not, if the father went to church, that stat went up to like over 50%. Folks, just church attendance. Guys, your church attendance is significant for your children. They are watching you. They are watching you. Mom can drag the kids to church. But if you're sitting at home and mocking or doing whatever, what kind of a message are you telling your children about the value of worshiping God together as a family, of the value of God in your life and in their lives. The statistics of if a father goes to church, just goes, not, not is the pastor, not is the worship leader, is anything, just go to church. Your kids are watching you. It has a massive impact on your children's lives and whether they will serve God and whether they will, yeah, um, be devoted to, 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 to God. Look what the message says, the same verse. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you. And then get them inside of your children. Isn't that beautiful? I love how Eugene Peterson puts it in the Message Bible. Talk about them wherever you are. Sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning 
to when you fall into bed at night. <laughs> I just love it. It's like, I can do this Bible. Okay, you, you write like that. I'm like, I can do that because sometimes I feel like, oh, we're falling into bed tonight. Okay. I want to make it very practical. And on the next slide, I've just entitled it, what does it look to get them inside of you and get them inside of your children? And these are just some simple practical tips. This is for dads. And some dads are here. And some dads, you're on your way. Amen. You're on your way as in one day you're going to be a dad. You're going to be married. You're going to have children. What does it look like? What does this look like? And just some things. Firstly, read Bible stories together and say bedtime prayers together. Folks, it's not difficult. You know, there are so many beautiful kids' Bibles around with beautiful pictures. I mean, they're mind-blowing. They're eye-poppingly amazing. I think of the kiddie Bible I had when I was a kid. And there weren't too many pictures in it. I mean, nowadays, it's so easy. And of course, online, there's so many resources available. Read Bible stories to your kids and say bedtime prayers. Okay? It's really not difficult. Come to church together. Okay? We've kind of mentioned that one. Also, not that difficult. Share your stories together. His story, remember his story is God's story in yours. Your testimonies. You know, I was so surprised. We did a relationship series, as you know, in March. And we, we will often, uh, around lunch, uh, discuss the message for that day. And I remember, and I can't remember which of my children we asked, because in one of those messages, Jen and I had shared our testimony of how we came together. And one of our children said they'd never heard our story of how we came together. I was shocked. I was like, oh my goodness, how come our children haven't heard that story? How come it had to be, you know, at church? I was like, I was so surprised. Okay, you know, I've had four children. I remember telling the story to some of my children, but you kind of forget which one you told where, and, you know, they kind of spread over the decades, you know. It's like you forget which decade, you, which one was in the house doing what story with, okay. But just share your stories. The next one, give thanks before mealtimes and eat together. You know what's so funny? I was talking to an Every Nation pastor, Now I can't remember which one, okay, one of our Every Nation pastors, we're part of the Every Nation Network of Families, and he said this. It was Pastor Simon Lerifella. He's in Joburg, Rosebank. And I was talking to him, and I can't remember what we were talking about, but he made this comment. He said, you know, we were sitting around the supper table and having supper together, and he made this comment, as all Every Nation families do. And I was like, you do that as well? I don't know, you do that? I thought, we're the only family in the world, you know, and Peter Marysburg that do this. Uh, but, but it was so struck. He said, he made the comment, of, this is what, how every nation families roll. We have meals together, amen? We, let me tell you, I grew up having supper in front of the TV. We're all sitting there, there's rubbish on TV, but we are sitting glued to the TV and we're trying to eat, you know? I grew up like that. Jen and I, when we got married, we made the decision. We are not going to have supper in front of the TV. We are not going to be close to the TV. is going to be off. Do you guys, guys, do you know that the TV actually has an off button? Did you, did you guys know that? If you've got to look at the back, it's sometimes small, etc. But there's actually an off button and you can switch it off. It doesn't have to be on the whole time. You know, sometimes Jen and I, you know, we go see somebody and we want to have a vibrant, you know, conversation. We're sitting in front of this massive TV, you know, it's like the size of this. We're sitting over there and I mean, and, and you try to have a conversation and the TV's going and it's like, <laughs> I'm nearly, have you found the off button, <laughs> you know? There are times that the TV needs to be off for families to have 
and, and give thanks before a meal. We always, and we get the kids to give thanks. You're teaching them how to pray. All our kids are confident in front of other people to give thanks for food. It's not a big deal. You're teaching them to pray in front of others. Pray for healing and for others together. We often do that. Amen. Get the kids to, and get the kids to pray. Don't you don't do all the praying. Share whatever's together. Okay, and you say, yeah, whatever. Okay, this is meant to be said. I wrote, I should have put whatever with an A at the end. I mean, that, isn't that how you say whatever? Okay, anyway, what is a whatever? And we learned this from friends in Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 speaks about whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's really good stuff. We don't do it often. I mean, we don't do it all the time, should I say, but we do it fairly often. We, we will, around the dinner table, say, let's share whatever's. Okay, whatever is what happened in your day that you're grateful about, that was good, that was praiseworthy, noble. You know, so that means you're not going to gripe about, oh, there's one teacher, you know, she shouted at me today and I didn't even do anything wrong, but you know, you know she just had a bad day. That's not a whatever, okay? Or whatever is, sure, you know, I came to church and I was so delighted that the youth had rearranged the furniture at church and you walked in and you were like, is this his people church? I mean, it was so creative that they thought to put the couch on the other side of the building. Did you guys walk in this morning and think, I should actually sit on that side because I sit opposite the couch every Sunday, okay? You see, did you notice Oni was sitting there last week, but this week she's opposite the couch, okay? She's totally disorientated by this couch being moved, okay? <laughs> or whatever is just things that you're grateful about, that, you, that, that, is, that is praiseworthy and honorable. We, we do it often. Uh, especially we'll quite often do it like, you know, Heidi paid us a surprise visit. We, we, we'll do something like, what is your whatever about Heidi's visit? And, you know, one of us may say, I really enjoyed baking muffins with Heidi. And somebody else would say, I really enjoyed going for a walk with Heidi or something like that. You know, those kind of things. It's really not difficult, okay? Okay, the next point I want to close with is Moses actually finished Deuteronomy 32. And he said this, and also notice the part about children. When Moses finished reciting all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words I have solemnly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. By them you will live long. And he's thinking the children. He's talking to this generation. He's looking at Joshua and his peers. And he's saying, tell your children. I want to actually finish with this. And this was just so insightful. And if we can just go to the next slide. Deuteronomy 3 verse 18. Moses says, the Lord your God has given you this land to take possession of it. But all of your able-bodied men armed for battle must cross over ahead of your brother Israelites. Now, what's he talking about here? Okay, so if you just click and there's a map. Now, this map actually shows 
all the, the different areas that the 12 different tribes got to inherit. Okay? Now, importantly, you have the Jordan in the middle. The Jordan kind of divides the land in half with the Sea of Galilee at the top and the Dead Sea at the bottom. And just, uh, if you just click again, he was talking in this verse to the Reubenites, Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Okay? So, Moses led them to the edge of the Jordan River. They conquered, actually, those lands on the right of the Jordan River. If you just click again or put a... So, there's a little box that I've highlighted. That is the area, actually, to the east of the Jordan River. They conquered that with Moses. If you, the chapters we've just read, the areas that they entered into... Some of the lands they conquered, but some they didn't, like the Moabites and the Edomites. It's like, these are your brothers. You don't, you don't bash them up, okay? But these lands he conquered. So Moses actually was training the next generation for battle because they had to cross the Jordan and take the rest of the land. But he's writing this, Deuteronomy 3, verse 18 to 20. He's writing to these guys, Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, because their lands, their inheritance, had already been conquered. The whole nation had together basically dispelled the, 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 the people that lived there. It was already conquered. And, and Moses said over here, But all your able-bodied men armed for battle must cross over ahead of your brother Israelites. He's saying to these guys, you've already got your inheritance. But you can't now stay you know, back in your fancy house and etc. without your brothers having their inheritance. And he says, you are to march in front. Folks, you know when you go into battle and there's a whole bunch of guys with, with swords and spears, etc., and you're walking in front? It's quite daunting. He says, you are not going to get away with because they fought for you to get your inheritance. Now you got to fight for them to get their inheritance. And, and, he, and he says, after that, each of you may go back to, to the possession I have given you. If you just click again. So they had to go from this land that they've already got. And the Lord says, you're going to go ahead and you are going to help your brothers enter into their inheritance. And folks, this is just such a biblical principle. Have you seen how much uh, Moses was saying, tell the children, it's about your children, it's not just about you. And here God is emphasizing that it's not even just about you and your children, it's you and your brothers and your sisters, that your brothers and sisters may enter their inheritance. Folks, when you take a connect group, it's not just about you and how blessed you are in your connect group. You are helping your brothers and sisters enter into their inheritance. And the reality is, if these guys didn't go with, and if they just stayed back over there, the rest, they wouldn't have been able to take their land, and probably other guys would have taken over their land. It's like we fight together. We stand together for each other to fulfill the inheritance, to get our inheritance. It's not about just gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. I want my inheritance, and once I've got my inheritance, you know, you just take a hike, you know, thanks for helping me, but cheers, chum. That's not how we do it around here. Amen? This Christian community we in, I read all the ways, the places we are going from and to. We're doing this together. We're fighting for each other. And this is the, the heart of God is like, I want to give my life. I want to invest in other people. I want to see other people discover who they are in Christ. To be free from depression and negative thinking. To, to be filled of faith. To see the potential that God has for them. To get a hold of the promise of God. It's delightful to walk with other people. It's right in front of you. I mean, you read your Bible, it says, hey, you're not going to hang back and just be comfy in your fancy new house. You're going to help your brothers inherit their land. You're going to go in front. You're going to fight right in front 
after the battle. That is how the kingdom works. Amen. It's not just about me inheriting my wonderful promised land, my fancy house. I, we are fighting for each other. Amen. We're not fighting against each other. We respect each other's lands. I mean, these Reubenites, Gadites, Manasseh, they didn't go across there and take more land for themselves. No, it was, I'm taking it for my brother. I'm, and and you, you, my brother, you get to enjoy your promised land. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful picture of how the kingdom works. Amen. We're fighting for each other. We're not fighting against each other. We're respecting boundaries, etc. We committed to one another, but we're also committed to the next generation. Can we say amen to that? Lord God, I want to thank you for these wise words of Moses. Thank you for these godly principles that you show us in Scripture, Lord. God, may you build us to be a community that is each day in, 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 in different ways, Lord. We are pressing on to the promised land that you have for us, Lord. We are pressing on. We're fighting for each other. We're not fighting against each other. We are fighting for each other, Father. I pray that you would build this kind of a community, Father. Build this kind of a community, Father. Lord, that we may fully possess our promised land. And God, may we remember our children. May we train our children. I pray for uh, uh, the, the heart of the Father in us, Father, that we would be committed to our children, that our children may enter the promised land as well, Father, that they may dwell in the land and enjoy your promised land. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Join us for some live services. If you are visiting Peter Maritzburg in Peter Maritzburg or the surrounding areas, please do come through and join us from half past nine to 11 o'clock every Sunday at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg, South Africa, 3201.